And uh, so we are on week four of a series we're calling Love Busters. And it goes along with a book by a man named Dr. Harley, who was a couples counselor. He was a clinical psychologist for decades. And he, in his experience of sitting down with couples and sitting down with individuals, he found six things that he called love busters. Now, these are things in our lives and our relationships that break down love. And so no matter what we do, no matter what you do, relationships are critical. Everything that we do in our life, if it's at work, if it's at school, if it's at church, within, you know, partnerships, within our marriage, if our relationships get better, our life gets better. And so Paul, believe it or not, in 1 Corinthians 13, all of these love busters that Dr. Harley found over his years of practice are all listed in 1 Corinthians 13, and that's known as the love chapter. And so we've been taking one love buster a week. We started with selfish demands, right? Selfishness is kind of the number one killer of relationships. It's my way or the highway, right? We can't mutually agree on anything, so we're just going to move on. Angry outbursts. We talked about the Hulk, right? The Hulk, was a, he's a nice guy until he snaps, and then he causes a lot of damage. And so we, we talked about that. We talked about a big one, offense, unforgiveness. You know, that, that really breaks down the love in any relationship. If it's in our marriages, if it's in, within families, if it's at, on the job, if we're holding something against someone or someone hurts us and we're having a hard time letting it go, it's, it's going to break down that relationship. And so before I give you today's, let's read the verses. It's four verses. We're going real slow through these four verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to start in verse 4. And so the writer gives us a few things that love is, and then he gives us six or seven things that love doesn't do. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not selfish. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no records of wrongs. Now, here's our assignment this morning. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Always hopes always perseveres. Love never fails. All right. And so the love buster today that we're going to look at this morning for just a few minutes is dishonesty. Lies. We know that if they make their way into any relationship, it's going to break down love. It's going to break down trust. And so I I really, I'm, I'm excited that that's kind of right in the middle of the list. That, you know, all of these things that we've been talking about over the the last several weeks, but really, if we look at our relationships, the ones that are doing the best are the ones that are where we're being the most truthful. The ones where we share the most trust. And so the big question I I feel like I wanted to answer for myself, but maybe you've asked this too, is it ever okay to lie? You know, like, is it ever okay to lie? Is there ever, is there ever an instance, right? I mean, let's just use this as an illustration. Hitler shows up at your door and he's knocking on the door. And he says, I know you're hiding some people that I want to take out. Are they there? Wouldn't it be okay to say, no, I don't know what you're talking about. Hitler, go away. You know what I'm saying? Like, is there, is there ever a time where it's okay to lie? And so I, I, don't know, I don't know much of the Bible, but I tried to find somewhere in the Bible where where people lied and it had a good outcome, and I found two, believe it or not. I didn't, I didn't put these in your notes, so these are not in your notes, but the first one is in Exodus chapter 1, 
And Pharaoh sent out a decree, and he said, I want to kill all of the male children. He was intimidated by the Israelites. They had went from just a few thousand to millions, and so he wanted to kill all the male babies. And so he put out a, a decree to the midwives. He says, if it's a male, I want you to kill the child. If it's a female, they can be born. And so in Exodus 1, it, the way that it reads is, is the midwives, rather, because they feared the Lord, they never did it. And then Pharaoh showed up and said, hey, why aren't you, you know, I put out this decree, why aren't you doing it? And they told him a, a little bit of a white lie. They said these Israeli women, they give birth so fast before the midwives get, get there, we don't have time to kill them. Now, are they telling the truth? Probably not. That, you know, and, and that story is connected to, you know, Moses' mother. That's the first act of civil disobedience in the Bible. She hid her child, sent him down the Nile. So that's the first one. The second one that I found, Joshua chapter 2. Again, not, not in your notes. If you want to look them up, you can. But uh, so there was, that's the story of the two spies and the children of Israel, right? They sent two spies to kind of scope out the promised land. And, and, and the, the king of Jericho found out that they were there. And so they started looking for these two spies. And there was this woman known as Rahab the harlot. And I guess that was her occupation. And that was, that was her name. And she hid these two spies. And the soldier showed up knocking on the door, Rahab's door, and said, Hey, have you seen these two spies? Um, we're looking for them, you know. And she said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. They came by earlier, but now they're gone. So she, she lied. And both, both times in Scripture, God doesn't really, he doesn't, even, he doesn't say anything about the lying, but he commends their faith. And I think in both of those two instances where we see that happen, there were evil men who were attacking truth, right? And so it's not so much that they, that, they, that I mean, God, God, he like championed their faith, but he didn't mention how they did it. But I really believe that their motives were right. Now, again, everywhere else, you're not going to see this. And so that one question, is it ever okay to lie? I don't know. In the 21st century, from what I'm seeing in my experience, and there, it's, it's pretty amazing how there's only like one or two things that an atheist, a philosopher, and a pastor will agree on. And it's that lying is the royal road to chaos. And any time that we entertain a lie or any time we, we, we tell a lie, nothing good comes out of it. There's a book called The Day That America Told the Truth by a guy named James Patterson, and he polled a lot of people. It was written in the late 90s. And in his study, he found that 92% of the people that he, that he polled said that they lie at least on a weekly basis. This was an anonymous poll. Another study I found in Reader's Digest, I'm going to pick on the high schoolers in here for a second. They indicated that 92% of them said that they lied to their parents in the last year or so, and 73% of them said that they told lies pretty much weekly. So I'm preaching to the choir, all right, because I know that we've, we've all asked that question. Like, like, I mean, if I tell the full truth here, they're not going to like it, I'm not going to like it. Is there a way around this? And so out of the book, if you, if you don't want to pick up the book, Love Busters, I'm going to give you some things. I've tried to make it really easy. I took all the good stuff out, and I'm going to give it to you. So Dr. Harley recognizes four different reasons why most people are dishonest in a relationship. Four. Put it in four categories. The first one he said is just protection. He wants to protect that person. Right? And I think that when it comes to speaking truth, one of the things we need to have is wisdom. 
Because some people, maybe they aren't ready for that. Maybe they, or you're in occupation, you're a doctor, you're a lawyer, or a pastor, a counselor. And there's just certain things that I cannot repeat. But there's a big difference between saying I don't know and I can't tell you. You know, and I, sometimes I have a tendency to be like, you know, somebody asks me a question that I know I don't need to answer and I can't answer. It's like, I don't know, but I do. You know, so, so, I, so I'm trying to do better with, I can't tell you, right? I can either confirm or deny that. Or if I told you, I'd have to kill you, like CIA stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I can tell you, but it's going to be out at the end of your life. Like, I mean, these are, but, but protection. And so, so how does that get kind of icky in relationships? Well, Specifically, a covenant relationship, right? When I say I'm, I'm marrying this person, I'm, I am, I'm equally, what I'm saying is there's going to be no secrets between us. There's nothing hidden. And so when we use as, a, as an excuse in our, in our close relationships, it can cause damage. And so that's what Dr. Harley said. People will, you know, maybe skirt around the truth because they're trying to protect someone. The second one, which we've all done, is we just want to look good, Right? We don't tell the full truth. Or our real life, according to Instagram and Facebook, is the complete opposite of what's actually happening, right? Like, like we, we put our, our we just want to look better. Or we, so we say things, or we, you know, and it's not like they're these big, bold lies, but we just want to make it seem like we, I don't know, like maybe we're better than we are. Or, I mean, believe it or not, people will project a certain life to the world, and it's not at all what they're really living. I know you've never made anybody like that. But they're out there. And so we'll, we'll lie to just save face, right? We'll lie because, because we know we made the mistake, but we don't want to really own up to it, and we're kind of ashamed of it. And so that's the second one. The third one is avoiding trouble. I didn't do it, right? I mean, it wasn't me. I mean, I think we've, we've all felt that tendency when we know we did wrong. We, we took the cookies off the bottom shelf before dinner, and Mom caught us with our hand in the cookie jar. It's like, it wasn't me. You know, so I, don't, I, I, I was in a trans, mom. Like, I walked in here, and I don't know, I don't know what's, what's going on. But we, we just want to avoid trouble. And, and, and Dr. Henry Cloud, in his book, Boundaries, he's got a second one called Boundaries for Marriage. And in that book, he has a whole chapter on honesty. And he says this, and it's pretty amazing. He says, what happens when we begin to do that, when we lie to avoid trouble, or we lie to, to you know, to protect someone? He says, what happens is the lie is worse, worse than the actual event. Like, yeah, we made a mistake. Yeah, I stole cookies out of the bottom shelf, Mom. I, I ate cookies before dinner. But if we would have just told the truth, that we'd be better off than just lying. Because lies are like, they take on a life of their own. That's the fourth one he called it. Compulsion. And not everybody is a compulsive liar. But there are people that really struggle with compulsive lying. Like, they, they don't even know what truth is. Pinocchio, he's one of them. You know that guy? You ever heard of you, You've watched that movie. He would, you, you, I hope you if you haven't, you should watch it. It's, it's, an ama- it's an amazing, he's a little puppet. But anyways, he, he lies, and every time he lies, his nose grows. It gets a little bigger. And then what happens is I think he lies, like, several times, and, 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 and the, his nose gets so big it becomes a life of its own. It's got a bird that lives in it. It's got limbs coming out of it. And I thought, man, that's a great illustration of when we tell lies because then we got to tell three or four more to prop it up. Or we're living a lie. 
And there's things going on in our life that, you know, we're trying to protect someone or we don't want to look bad. We don't want nobody to know the real us or we're, we don't want to, you know, own what we've done. And so now we're telling lies and now we got to remember everything we said because we got to tell lies to prop up the original lie. Hitler and Mein Kampf called it the big lie. How does a man do what, what Hitler has, you know, did? And this wasn't very long ago. I know I'm talking a lot about Hitler today. It's just in my mind right now, right? All kinds of stuff going on in that part of the country right now. But he called it, you've got, he, he, he said in his, his little biography that you've got to give people the small lies first. And so you sell them a bunch of small lies and then you give them the big lie. And so lies, they take on a life of their own. They're the royal road to chaos. Like if we want to have confusion and pain and shame in our lives, then just don't tell the truth. But the more that we tell the truth, the more that we can walk in truth, the more we're going to begin to see order. We're going to see God begin to do work in our life. We're going to see God begin to bring things and connect the dots. And, and I love that this is right in the heart of the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Because we've all probably had truth spoken to us without love. You can speak truth and not love anyone. You can just rail them, you know, you can just tell, correct them, feel like that your, your gift to the planet is to criticize everyone, right? You've never met that person. If you're here with them, don't look over or her. But they just, you know, they've got everything figured out and it's their job to correct everyone. There's no love, there's no grace. So you can have truth without love, but this is what we see according to the Bible. You cannot have love without truth. Because truth points at love and love points at truth. And there's no way to love someone if you don't fully know them and you're not fully known. And you look at perfection in paradise, which is where we're heading. We're heading back to the garden. And you look at what the world was like before lies. They were naked and unafraid. That means everything about them was open and they had nothing to be ashamed of. And the relationships in your life where you're the most honest will be the relationships that are the most healthy. And the relationships where you feel like you got to put on a face or a shield or a mask are going to be the ones where you're going to see this chaos begin to creep in. And it's amazing how the enemy does the same thing. He has no new bag of tricks. He just puts another coat of chocolate on it. His recipe, his workshop is lies. Jesus called him the father of lies. He slithered in the garden in the form of a snake. I've never met a talking snake, but apparently there was a talking snake. And he's, the first instance we see the devil doing his work, he uses lies. Not big lies. Little lies. Did God really say, if you eat of that tree, you would, you would die? Just a little bit of, just a little bit of untruth. Just a little bit of, I don't want, you know. And so he got Eve thinking, and and then Eve ate, right? And she gave some to Adam, and then God shows up, and then they both start lying and hiding, right? They covered themselves. They're afraid. They're ashamed. They ate of the tree. Adam's blaming Eve, right? Eve's blaming Adam. They're blaming the snake. It's everybody else's fault but mine. But look at what happened when a lie entered in. It caused chaos. So how do we protect ourselves from that? How do we walk the Bible? I mean, it's, it's like a theme in the New Testament. Jesus really brought it to the surface. Truth and love. How do, we, how do we speak the truth in our relationships? How do we live the truth? How do we prevent from living a lie 
How do we prevent from even telling untruths or leaving or withholding things that we should be talking and saying to the people in our life that we love? That's how we really build, I think, connection. That's how relationships get better. So I want to just give you four quick things and then we're going to pray on why we should talk, just tell the truth at all times, even when it's hard, even when it might get you in trouble, even when you may not look the best. I don't think there's ever a bad time to tell the truth. And I don't know, I mean, there's two instances in the Bible I could find, but both times, I mean, God never really condoned the lying. He condoned the faith behind it. And the first thing I want to give you, and I know that you, you know this, honest people are a refuge. Y'all got time for one Pepsi story? I got to tell just one, all right? I, I, my, my Pepsi stories, I got to limit them. But my, the, my last boss before I left Pepsi, I worked, worked there for a little while, he, he reminded me of the godfather, okay? I mean, he did most of the hiring and firing. Like, you know, you, you went in his office, he had a picture with Jeff Gordon and Tiger Woods, and just like he was the guy. He, I mean, the, he's, he was the boss. He was just, and, and, but he would, uh, you know, at certain times, and most of you, you're in the business world, you know this, you, when you go to fire somebody, you got to have a witness in there because they'll lie on you, right? They'll turn around and say, oh, he kicked me in the mouth and sent me down. You know, like, no, nobody kicked anybody, right? And so, so we always, he always needed to have a witness. And so I got to sit on, in on these incredible meetings where people got fired, right? And I got to drive them home in their company car and take it back. And it was horrible and they cried. And, but anyways, what I learned from this man more than anything I've ever learned, I'm, I'm going to be... He was just a refreshing person to be around because you knew exactly what he thought about you and everybody in the room. Seriously. I mean, he'd sit somebody down and go through, hey, we gave you 30 days, you blew it. When we brought you on, we knew you were kind of a terrible employee, so we thought we could make it work, but you don't show up on time, you don't answer your phone. On the weekends when we need you to work, you're magically in, you know, you're at Disney World or whatever, and so you're fired. And they'd get up and thank him. I'm serious. They would get it. Why? Because they told, he, he would just, just tell them exactly like it was. And so many people in life have never had that kind of refreshing honesty, ever. They've either been around people that have just loved them to death, right? Or told them what they wanted to hear and not what they needed to hear. And he was a refuge. He was, it was refreshing to be around him because you never had to wonder what he was thinking. Right, you've had that supervisor where he's telling you, hey, you're doing a great job, but he's going behind you, just waiting on the moment where you slip up so he can fire you from a phone call. Right, don't even want to confront, come on, right? You, like, who would you rather work for? The brutally honest guy or girl that's going to tell you exactly what they feel about you and exactly how you're doing, or the one that's just going to not say it, repress it, and then just go ahead and, and go ahead and make sure they write it all up and fire you in secret, and you find out on a Friday all of a sudden and didn't know it was coming. We want honesty. When we walk in honesty, our life begins to get better. The people that walk in integrity or honesty, they're a refuge. Proverbs 10 verse 9 says it like this, whoever walks in integrity walk securely they're safe people because they're speaking the truth right they're not speaking their truth but they're speaking the truth you know that they're saying what they mean they mean what they say honest people or refuge the second thing with honesty when we when we decide okay i'm going to speak the truth in my life i'm going to speak the truth to the people that are in my life it's an absolute gift to others 
when you tell the truth, it's a gift to them. When you tell them what they want to hear, it may feel better, you may look better, they may like you for a little bit longer, but you're not really helping that person. Right? If they're 60 years old and still sleeping on your couch, mom, right, right, and eating all your food and you're paying everything, like, like, like there's probably comes a time where there needs to, have, needs to be an honest conversation and you're doing them, a, a, you're giving them a gift. It's time to spread your wings and fly, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's time to leave the nest, like, you, you got to go, like, 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 somebody has to say it. And when we have this kind of honesty in our relationships, people will thank you. Love is glad when truth is spoken. Love develops when truth is spoken. But when we don't, it does the opposite. So Dr. Harley, he gave four different ways to be honest, four different categories of honesty. And these are important. I'm going to give them to you because these are good things. The first type of honesty is just emotional honesty. Emotional, that means, like I was in a table with some pastors recently from all over the U.S., one, a couple from New York, a couple from California, and they were sharing about what was going on in their church, and two of them I thought were about to fight. Like, they, they were going back and forth and back and forth, and uh, there, was a, there was actually a counselor there, and he stopped them, and he said, how is this making you feel right now? And they're like, I really feel threatened. I really feel, like, unappreciated. And, and like, believe it or not, the guys hug and they're best friends after that. But, but we never think about that. Like, you know, you can speak truth to someone and make them just feel absolutely terrible. And so when we're having honest conversation, emotional honesty is being willing to tell somebody how you feel, what you're experiencing. Right? When you speak the truth to me, I kind of feel degraded. When you speak the truth to me, bring it with some chocolate and flowers. You know what I'm saying? Like, like at least make me feel a little bit better about it. It's, it's, it's emotional honesty. The second one is historical honesty. That I'm, I'm, I'm giving you, now again, this is really zones into a marriage relationship, some kind of, of, of partnership. But don't you want the people that you're going to hook your wagon to to be completely honest with you? And that's one thing that I love about premarital counseling. And what I get to do in, that, in those sessions, because typically, I, you know, one of the things I'm trying to find, is there anywhere in one of these, you know, you know one of their lives where they haven't been totally honest? Because it's going to come up. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's going to come out eventually. It might be three years down the road. You know, it's crazy how some, some couples, um, not a lot, but just a few I've had, you know, with the financial piece. You know, that's a big part of coming together right if you've got eight hundred thousand dollars in student loans they might need to know that and it's wild some of the stuff that will come out when you know we're a a month or two before the wedding and it's like oh yeah dude i've got a you know i got that (laughs) like i I got i got i got some 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 debt like okay what's some debt one hundred twenty thousand. you know it's like what hang on a second like like and, and so we want people to be totally honest with us especially if we're going to walk down the road together. I want to know your history, not so I can judge you, right? So that I know that you got a bunch of debt. Maybe I should reconsider this. You know, no, I'm just kidding. No, but, but, but it's, it's telling the complete truth. It's historical honesty. Third one, current honesty. Current honesty. That means I'm just telling the absolute truth how I feel it and see it right now. Um, Patrick Lencioni, he's a, more of a business coach, but he's written a couple of really good books um, one of them is called The Team Advantage, and we went through that as a staff together. And out of that book, we pulled something so good out, 
and what he does with his, his team, and when he goes in and coaches an organization, he does what he calls mining for conflict. He literally comes in and tries to find out where they're disagreeing. Because this is what tends to happen. You're in a group, you make a decision, you don't like the decision. It wasn't your decision. You know the decision's going to fail because you've been at the company longer, right? But instead of saying it in the group, you just let it roll, and then you're at the water cooler telling everybody that you work with how stupid the decision was that the board just made, and it's just going to tank, and you're just waiting on it. Talk about messing up the culture of an organization. But then we do that in our life. We do that in our marriages. Patrick Lencioni calls it, he says, disagree and commit. Have enough boldness to say, this is a terrible decision. I don't agree with it at all. But you know what? I'm going to run the play because I believe in you and I want to work here and I want to stay in this relationship. That's better than just knowing or having an opinion that you just didn't share and you, and you don't like it. And you know it's probably going to fail, but you just stay quiet and then maybe sow some uneasiness in other people's lives. It's getting real quiet in here. And so in the relationships that are important to me, can I disagree and commit? In my marriage, can we disagree on something and then commit to that decision? I, th I think we can. That's, tall, that's current honesty. That's being real with someone. That's, that's letting them know exactly how you feel and what your experience. I mean, that's, I think it's so critical. Then the last one is future honesty. And I, we would all love that out of people, right? When we get, I, for a little while, one of the worst jobs I ever had was a um, uh, tele, uh, uh, telemarketer. Right? I was in high school, yeah. And there was this little telemarketing place and and um, I, I think I worked there about a week. And so they, they, you had this long script, right? There's 100 people in a room smaller than this with little headsets. And basically, you had to, like, say all this. You had to read the script, right? Stick to the script. And the bottom was, was you're asking for money. Now, wouldn't you love when the telecommun you know, t these folks call you, they would just say, hey, I'm going to try to get as much money from you as possible on a monthly basis, and I'm doing no benefit to you at all. Right, but it usually starts as we're concerned about your your uh, your long-term warranty on your car. Right, like it, you're like are, just just tell me you're trying to get money from me, right? Like, or just just tell me that this is some kind of bait and switch. But in relationships, have you ever had somebody get close to you because eventually they just wanted something from you? I know that's never happened to you. They became your friend. They started taking an interest in you, and you thought, man, I'm. Uh, I love this guy. I love this girl. She's awesome. And then six months later, hey, I noticed your car warranty's expired. You know, or no, or, or or Facebook. Every, I mean, I can't even. I don't get on there anymore. It's like everybody's selling something. You know what I mean? I'm like, like I thought we were friends, but now like it's like I just. I mean, I, I'm. That's cool. You're selling candles that melt. All right, or, or whatever. Or you're you're selling this stuff that that like supposed to kill COVID and whatever. Like I I, I don't know, but but. I, but just, just, just be honest with me, right? Don't, don't date me for a few months because you're trying to get something from me, right? Nobody likes that. Nobody wants that. So it's just, just being upfront, future honesty. That's, I don't know. It's a gift to others. Here's the third one. When we tell the truth in our life, when we tell the truth in, in our relationships, it's a gift to ourselves. Because not only are you helping that person that you're speaking truth to, not only are they being challenged, not only are they growing, but the only way to walk in truth 
is to tell the truth. Jesus said you would know the truth and the truth would set you free. And so how do we walk in freedom? It's knowing truth, it's living truth. And what happens is if we, you know, skirt around things or it's easier to, I'm just going to protect that person, I'm not going to tell them. I don't, I don't want them to see the real me. I, I, I really don't want to own up to this. I don't think I could face the consequences. When we begin to do that, what happens is it just gets easier. And it's like cracks in the foundation of our life. It's cracks in the foundation of our relationships. Jordan Peterson, his book, 12 Rules for Life, rule number eight, he says, speak the truth, tell the truth at all times. And if you can't tell the truth, at least don't lie. And in this book, this is, this is a line out of, right out of his book. He says, you, you really can't, you cannot help someone who's not willing to help themselves, number one, right? That they're not willing to speak the truth. But the more of the truth we speak, we cannot reveal ourselves to others if we don't reveal ourselves and, and be honest with the people in our lives because they're like mirrors. And so it's easy just, for instance, you show up to work late one day and you tell your boss, hey, I hit traffic, sorry. Second day, it happens again. Third day, he notices you're a little disheveled, didn't look like you sleep very well. Second week, you just didn't even show up for two days. Nobody knew where you were. But you just keep telling your boss, man, I'm not sleeping good. My alarm clock's broke. You know, you, know you, you have all these great... But then the real reality is you're drinking a little too much. And people can smell it, but they don't want to say it. And your boss is picking up on the cues, but he doesn't really want to... I mean, he doesn't want to offend you. But instead, again, if you just showed up one morning and said, hey, I can't stop drinking, and it's causing me to come into work late every day... It's, it's costing me in relationships. When you speak the truth to somebody, it's going to be a gift to you. Because if that person really cares about you and loves you, and there are people in your life that care about you and love you, they're going to help you. But the more that we hide behind lies and the more that we tell little truths here and little truths there, or we don't want to be fully open and honest, you've got to have somebody in your life that you can be fully honest with. You got to. It's that saying, you're only as sick as your secrets. And the deeper the secret is, the bigger the secret is, the more you got to carry it every day. And, every, and you're telling everybody at work that it's just a, you've just had a bad week, you've just had a bad month. Man, the staying alarm clock. I tell you, this alarm clock is... But really, you're fighting this demon. And God has put people in your life that can help you get free. And you don't have to tell a priest or a pope or a pastor. You just got to tell somebody. That's the first step. And not only get, getting better in your own life, but your relationships will begin to get better. Because if you trust someone with that, you tell somebody that, they're, they're gonna nev- they'll never forget it, number one. And I have to believe that most people really want the best. They want to help you. Some people will take it and run. You know, some people will use truth and and then hit you with it, right? We've all had that experience, but we've all got a bad haircut before. You didn't just stop getting your haircut, did you? Right? I've had a terrible haircut. Like, I, I mean, I've, I've had that happen. And I didn't stop. I, I actually went about a year and a half and didn't get my haircut. <laughs> so, just let it grow, baby, right? 
But sometimes we do that in relationships. Because the last time I told somebody the truth, they used it against me. They used it as ammunition. And rather than getting me help, they, they got me fired. <laughs> rather than getting me help, they, they told everybody. But try again. Because what I'm seeing is that the more truth that we are able to talk and speak in our life, the more freedom you're going to walk in. The more of the truth that you speak, the more honest and open you are. And I know there's things you just can't tell everybody. And, and I know there's people that have certain occupations where you can't tell folks what you did at work that day. We have a lot of active military in here. They can't tell people what they're doing. That's part of, part of that line of work. I understand that. But in our close relationships, the people that we love, the people that we know love us, the more truth that we speak, the more we're going to grow. The more we're going to grow in that relationship, the more our faith is going to grow. And this is my last point, and we're going to pray. This is the last thing I want you to see. Because the more that we speak truth in our relationships, honesty always produces growth. Always. Nothing gets better in our life, in our relationships, without honesty. And it's amazing, in Ephesians 4, most of you, a lot of you have been in church a long time, and you know about the five functions, right? The five-fold ministry of the church. There's, there's five jobs that God gave to people to really to edify the church, to, to, to lead the church. It's known as like the apostle, right? Prophet, evangelist, teacher, and pastor. These five gifts. If you were raised like in a charismatic church, you know all five of those usually happened every Sunday morning. Evangelist so-and-so got up. Apostle so-and-so was over here, baby. Right? There was the teaching. There was the preaching. And uh, there was the evangelizing happening. You know, like it was all going on in one hour on Sunday. So, But those five offices, it's amazing to me, those five giftings that are for ordinary people. I want you to hear that. That, that, that there are people that, that operate in the prophetic in this church and they don't announce themselves as prophet. Typically, if someone announces himself as prophet, I'm going to leave. Because all the prophets in the Old Testament didn't announce themselves as prophets. The people confirmed it. That's just my opinion. But all five of these, I want you to see this, Ephesians 4. So Christ gave to us, the church, to people, the people in this room, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may grow until we've all reached unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God become mature. We're attaining to this whole measure of fullness in Christ. Then, look at this, verse 14, we will no longer be infants. We'll no longer tolerate lies right? Tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by cunning craftiness of people and deceitful scheming. Now I want you to see this, verse 15. What's the role of these five offices? Instead, they speak the truth in love. I've never seen that. I always thought those five, like, you know, they're parading around, like they're, you know, suit and tie. And No, 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 no. Those five offices, those five roles, according to this, the one thing they have in common is they speak truth in love. And when that begins to happen, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him that is the head, that is Christ. How do we grow spiritually? We speak the truth in love. How do we, I mean, I know a lot of times they want it to happen in one hour on Sunday, but I believe it happens on Monday. 
and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. It happens in the people's lives and in the relationships that you're in most of the time. Because if you look at how this thing all started, it didn't happen in a big building in one hour. It happened in homes. It happened over meals. They went house to house and they broke bread, right? Paul was like known as the first apostle. Well, the people that he was prophesying over, he knew them. He ate dinner with them. He, he, got, he was shipwrecked and stuck in their house for six months. Like this wasn't just he showed up on a jet, spoke something, and then went back home. No, no, no. This was relational. He knew what was going on in their lives. He walked with them through it. And I really believe, and we believe that all five of these gifts are present today. My life, I would not be here if it wasn't for these gifts. Just random people that walked up to me when I was a kid that were, they had a prophetic gift. Where I knew God called me to do this and I didn't want to do it. I, was t- I mean, I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> So I still have struggled with that a little bit. I, I thought of a million other things that I, would, I could do, and I tried, you know. And just, 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 just God would confirm. God would correct, and he used truth. He used people that were willing to have hard conversations with me. I said, Nathan, if you keep living like this, you're, you're going to end up in bad shape. Nathan, if you keep running from this, truth and love so I want to close this, this, this message out I, I just want to ask you to ask God the Holy Spirit Jesus three different times in the book of John referred to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth he was the first one to do it in the New Testament only one other time in First John do we hear about the Holy Spirit he's called a lot of things Jesus called him the spirit of truth And this is what he said about the Holy Spirit, John 16. But when he, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he's going to guide you, me and you, into all truth. On the job, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your family, he's going to guide you into all truth. And he will not speak on his own accord. He's going to speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Isn't that powerful? That when we come together, it's more than we're singing songs. It's more than we're just talking and and, and engaging with one another. The spirit of truth is here. And he is speaking the truth that we need for our lives. He's speaking the truth. and, and, And he's giving us the nutrients and what we need to live our life tomorrow and next week. And sometimes he does that through people. Sometimes he does that through mom and dad and grandpa or a pastor or a coach or a teacher or through a friend who knows you're hurting and knows what you're going through and sends you a text right at the right right moment. Right when you were ready to just pack it up and say, I'm done. There it is. Now, is that coincidence? Or did God put them on your heart at the right moment at the right time? Or it happens in your life? you're thinking about someone and you just can't stop and then you call them and you share hey you've been on my heart nothing real I just how are you doing and then they just they just break that is the work of the Holy Spirit that is what we're called to do that is God moving through you through other people and God using other people to minister and move but the only way he does that is through truth And I think it's the most important gift that we have on the planet right now is discernment because there's so many lies and there's so much deception and there's so much deceiving happening. 
And man, it's just good to hear the truth every now and then. It's good to come to a place that's solid, that I think the Bible is the truth that unveils all truth, right? That we've got something that we can build on in our marriages, in our relationships. It's, it's the truth that we need. So I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. Just, just ask this, this prayer. Holy Spirit, what truth do I need to hear today? Just make that your prayer. Holy Spirit, what, what truth do I need to hear? It may be the truth that you're his son and daughter. It may be the truth that you've been walking in shame or guilt for too long, and he, he wants you to be free from that. Holy Spirit, what truth do I need to hear today? Because I know you're not done working on me, and I know I still got work to do here on this side of eternity. And so, Lord, we open our hearts right now. Just to, We open our hearts and our minds to the spirit of truth. Is there anywhere in my life that I'm believing a lie about myself, about somebody else? Holy Spirit, will you show me? Will you lead me and make it personal? Will you lead me into all truth? Because, God, I want to love you, and I know I can't love you without truth. And I know I can't know you without truth. And so, Lord, we just open our hearts and minds to you. We ask that you would speak truth into our lives. Anywhere where we might be bound by a lie, I just pray that you would break that off of people right now. You said where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, Lord, we ask for you to come this morning and just take over every part of our lives. If you're struggling with something this morning and you haven't told anyone, maybe, maybe that's what the Holy Spirit is nudging you to do. Maybe you just need to call some, somebody and let them know, man, I've really been struggling with this. I'm, I've been depressed. I've been discouraged. I've never been this discouraged in my life. I don't know what's going on. Sometimes it's good just to get it out and say it. So, Father, we just thank you for truth this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you know the whole truth about everybody in this building and you still extend love and grace. That truth is not to bring shame, but truth is to bring healing and it's to bring freedom. So, Lord, we thank you so much for the truth. And we thank you that even after knowing all the dirty details about every person on this planet, you would still go to the cross for them. You would still give your life. What great love to be fully known and to be fully loved. God, we thank you for that today. It's in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen.